Through the gap to Pienaar, back to Delefeu, it's Barry, it's Delefeu, it's brilliant! The boy from Barcelona gets his chance at Goodison and he takes his chance brilliantly! Last goal of the day is an evident goal in Goldstone. Number 10, Gerard Dale Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very, very happy edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here, as always, with Mark Mach. Yeah, it's episode 20 today. Uh, We've got to decide whether we want this to be the Ross Barkley edition the Stephen Pienaar edition, or turn it round on its head a little bit, and it can be either the Tony Thomas or the Robbie Vajica edition. Robbie Vajica? He might pop up again later. He might just do that. Um, but anyway, why are we happy? We won. We won again. Yeah. And we didn't just win. We handed out a bit of a beating. Yeah, it was uh, our best performance and our best uh, result in a good while, wasn't it? Was it our best performance, or was it just the fact that we played the worst team that we played this season? Actually, that's a good point. The first half, it wasn't really the best performance, was it? No, I think we played just as we played in every other game, but I just think the level of opposition was that poor. Um, That's why we ended up running away with it. I thought Stoke were probably the worst team I've seen all season, if not... The worst team I've ever seen in the Premier League. That pretty much sums up our match report then, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. Uh, so that's the end of this week's podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next week. Yeah. Um, so we, we will talk a little bit more in depth about the match. Uh, first of all, as we always do, we'll talk about the, when we had the team news. And it was a positive move, wasn't it? Because Jared was in. It was, but I must admit, I was a little bit disappointed, I think, when I heard the team news. I thought, you know... Maybe I thought Oviedo might have been a bit of a risk, uh, yeah. and I was surprised. Obviously, the the Barkley wasn't playing again. Yeah, so it would have been. We were thinking it would have been nice, you know, if he was going to play Delafeu to not sacrifice Barkley in there. But he put Osman in for Barkley, Delafeu in for Morales, which again surprised me because yeah. I, I didn't expect Kevin to be dropped. So and Oviedo obviously in for Baines, but. We, we didn't, you know, when we first heard the team news and we heard that, uh, we, we heard that Delefeo came in and, uh, sorry, Osman had come in uh, for Barkley. Uh, he stayed in for Barkley. Um, what did he come back in? Anyway, he, he came he came in for Barkley, but we, we found out, you know, Barkley was on four yellows, so if he'd have been booked in that game, he would have missed the Man United game tomorrow night. Do you think that's the reason, though? Do you, th- do you think that's why, or do you think he was just... He had it in his mind that, you know, we've got two games here in a few days. Well, three games in a week if you include the Arsenal game. Um, you know, I'm just going to do a bit of squad rotation. I don't think the four yellows thing had any part of it because if he picks up a yellow against Man United, Barkley, if he plays, then he misses the Arsenal game. And what's the more important game, do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, you've got a point. It's, uh, you know, we, he, he, he could play in that game. McCarthy could play and take, get a book and, and miss the Arsenal game. And... I mean, what's the rules on it? Is it is it 
Do you miss the game after? Or is yeah, it, if you is pick it up four in, games, no, you pick up four. Sorry, is it four days like it used to be? As far as I'm aware, if you pick up, you know, a fifth booking, you miss the next game. That's how it goes. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I was. Uh, I'm not too sure if it if it's like like it used to be a few years ago. You don't necessarily miss the next game. Like sending off, you, ne- you never used to miss the next game. It was like a, a few days after that it take place. But yeah. If if we work for Sky now, we'd have a little earpiece in with somebody telling us this in our ear, but unfortunately we don't, and uh, we're too lazy to look it up. <laughs> yeah, we are. We just want to mention, we've got to mention, we're recording this on Tuesday night rather than Wednesday, so we're ahead of the Man United game, which is tomorrow, so um, you're going to be listening to this on the Thursday, so we're going to be all over the place, aren't we? Yeah. So you're going to the Man U game tomorrow. Maybe we should have done one of them time travel episodes like we did a few episodes. Oh yeah, because that went down really well. That yeah, that, that stunk <laughs> the place out, didn't it? Um, yeah, obviously we're recording this. We usually record on a Wednesday, um, but I'm going to game tomorrow night at Old Trafford, so uh, we've had to record the day early, plus we wanted to do a preview for United. So um, yeah, we're probably going to make all sorts of predictions now that by the time you listen to this, it's completely a load of rubbish. Yeah, but... We'll try anyway. So anyway, back to the Stoke game. Uh, so we had the team, team news, and it looked positive on paper, even though it was a bit of a shocker. Um, we thought it was bright. We wanted Delafeo to have a start after this performance in the derby, and we got it. We did, and uh, it was a good performance as well. Yeah, so a few minutes in, obviously with no Baines on the pitch, we got a free kick. Just uh, Well, we got a free kick about 30 yards out, uh, and then the ball was played to Pienaar, who took the ball, ball a few yards further and got brought down again and we, it ended up being about 20 yards out and we're thinking who might have a go Lukaku had to go in the derby who might have a go and up steps Delafeu and a few minutes into his home um, debut at starting wise anyway and decent effort wasn't it? It was I mean and we got to the game didn't we pretty early on uh, on Saturday and you know we were watching the players warm up beforehand, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Delafeu was practicing his free kicks. Uh, and on the plus side, that lad generates unbelievable power. He doesn't look like he's got it in him, does he? Like the power he generates, but he gets some power on the ball. On the downside, he gets nowhere near the target nine times or ten times. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, there's a few people getting their heads taken off in the crowd, yeah, wasn't it? Some people going on with concussion. Um, but he does that like kind of Ronaldo way of hitting the ball, doesn't he? Where he kind of hits through it with his uh, with his instep, and it just flies all over the place. You, the ball, you, you don't have like, a lot of control. It's over sort it. of like a toe poke's power, isn't it? But yeah. Without the toe poke, yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And well, other than that, <laughs> what did, what what are your remem- memories of the uh, the first half? I just remember. Sitting here talking to you, saying how crap Stoke were, really. I don't think... I mean, we obviously, because we sit in the Gladys Street end and Everton was shooting towards the park end, you know, it seemed like 90% of the play happened in their half and we were just sat there sort of looking at Tim Howard and Tim Howard was just sort of walking around with absolutely nothing to do. They only... I can only really remember them being an hour half once, which is right before the end of the first half. I really. remember them having a half chance with Walters, and it was Walters bit, ran through when he should have done better. It was a bit of a P roll, bit of a P roll effort. I think it was a knockdown from Crouch. He ran through, bit of a P roll effort, and Howard didn't even have to dive, did he? He was just really, really weak. I remember us 
I was having a couple of efforts, uh, one which took a deflection and almost sent Begovic the wrong way, but he managed to recover, which they haven't showed any highlights of for some reason. Um, but the real, you know, the real chance came when uh, our mate Jerry exchanged passes with Pina and uh, <laughs> kind of dribbled it to Gareth Barry, who then laid it back into his path. And he, he put it past Begovic, put it 1-0 up just before half-time, and it couldn't have been a better time, really, could it? Well, no, I mean, that, that's the old the old cliche, isn't it? You know, score right on the uh, the, the brink of half-time, and, and you'll kill teams off and kill the motivation and going on a high and for the half-time break, and that's, that's exactly what we did, and uh, thought Delafay did well, took it well. Yeah, good, good, good finish from close range. You know, uh, Begovic came out, closed them, but he managed to put it high to the side of them. Uh, what, what I will say is from the, from the first half performance I know we just mentioned them then on the build up to the first goal but I thought in the first half in particular I thought Stephen Pienaar was brilliant yeah, I thought he, he was involved in everything uh, he looked know. all over the place didn't he you know, I mean in a good way not in a bad place yeah. in a bad yeah, way he, he wasn't bevied or anything like. but uh, yeah he did I thought you know, I thought he, he's not performed particularly well to his own standards this, this season so far uh, but he looked his old self again. I thought. I thought what would you attribute that to? I, I, I personally, I think it was a little bit of pressure off him with the Baines and Pienaar partnership. I think he, you know, he's off the reins a little bit. He can go out, he can swap sides, he can support the strikers. I just think he's just he's just one of them players. We we talked about this last. I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, maybe where you know he's very much a bit of a, a luxury player in the fact like he likes the odd flick here and there and. Sometimes they come off and sometimes they don't, and things just seem to be coming off, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, you know, like little showboaty flicks. I think we, you commented on how he loves the little look one way and pass the other way, the no look pass, even when he doesn't need to do it. Well, I, you know, it's it's a big basketball thing that is the no look pass, and then the basket, you know, basketball player, he'll look the other way and then pass it. I don't think Pienaar's quite got the hang of it as he because he'll pass it and then look the other way and it doesn't really it's not really a bit of, not really a show about that is it that's just like passing the ball and then looking the other way so, so anyone can do it um, but he, he did have a good first half and you know a few if you know, Gareth Barry and um, yeah in, in that first half McCarthy Armfield yeah. just dominated the game McCarthy Barry Pienaar uh, Delafay looked dangerous when he whenever he got the ball um, you know. Even Osman again. I mean, Osman didn't have a game where you know he massively stood out, but he, he never gave the ball away. He retained possession, um, you know, and, and we just dominated the first half without really turning that domination into what we deserved. Because I think we should have been sort of probably three, four nil up by half time, but we weren't creating brilliant chances. Yeah, he had a lot and the Kaku was quite first half. Yeah. Delafeu had a lot of possession and a lot of attacks um, and a few good crosses and a few not so good crosses and a few poor choices um, but he finished at half with a goal as did we went in 1-0 up at half time and it was, it was alright you know it really brightened our moods I guess because you know we, we were thinking it was a pretty poor game up until then and that, so that really changed the, our mood going into half time and it probably changed the team talk a lot as well yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, but I can't see the team talk being anything other than just keep going, lads. We're, we're destroying them, really. Uh, just try and make more of your chances and keep playing. Uh, and that's that's pretty much what we did because, you know, the second half started and uh, pretty much 
started in exactly the same way as the, the first half finished with another early goal in the second half. Yeah, so that starts off with a good bit of bright play again from Delafeu on the left. A decent little cross in, and you're going to tell us about your version of what actually happened now, aren't you? Do you want? I'll give you the, the version that I like to think of in my head. Okay. Go on then, give us that version. The version is that Delafeu goes screaming down the left wing. Yeah. Beats a few players. I can picture this. I can, I can picture puts this. Puts in an inch perfect cross to Gareth Barry, who basically uses a body feint, fakes the shot, does a sublime piece of skill by flicking the ball on, sort of in like a bit of a cruif, half cruif turn, but flick on through his legs. And the ball falls perfectly into the path of Seamus Coleman, who then uses the outside of his left foot to deftly bend the ball right into the top corner, goal of the season. Right, yeah, I, I can picture it, I can picture it now. Screaming in, screaming in with left foot, left foot. Not exactly. Right, okay, so give us the actual version. The actual version is, good bit of approach play from Delafeu down yeah. the left. That fits, that, that's right. Probably slightly miss it across. Yeah. <laughs> Fires a crossing across the, the box. Uh, basically, he pings it at Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry can't control it. it. It sort of flicks up off the inside of one of his legs, goes behind him, falls into the path of Seamus Coleman, who then completely miss hits a shot with his left foot, and it sort of semi sort of bends, stroke trickles into the far post and goes in. Yeah, either way, either way, they all count the same. Yeah. Don't get any bonus points for the being goal of the season. So do you? We, we were both made up because we had Seamus in our fancy footy teams. We did. Yeah, he's, he's got two two goals from right back this season, both with his left foot. Two footed. Nice yeah, nice one, Seamus. Superstar right back. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> I, do you think there's any chance in the world that he meant that? Any chance in the world? I think he meant to have a shot. I don't think it was that was what he had envisioned in his head. But he scored. He scored a nice little deft goal against. Was it Stevenage? I can't remember. But he did not mean that. That was not the finish he was intended. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Barry definitely didn't mean to backheel it into his path. So anyway. Everton 2-0 up and then and then a rare thing happened in the game Stoke took the kick off and actually managed to get into our half um, I think Charlie Adam had a bit of an interplay and they won a corner uh, which was another rare thing because you know you'd expect them to be a threat of corners especially with Peter Couch but they, it was something they never really got through the game was it there was virtually no set no, piece threat nothing. from them at all um, and the corner came in and, and it was Pretty easily retrieved by Tim Howard, who uh, throws the ball out along the throw to the feet of Delafeu, uh, and all of a sudden Delafeu's racing through, uh, virtually one on one with the keeper, runs from inside his own half, one on one with Begovic, uh, and probably we should be three 0 up, but a uh, good save from Begovic for his well, legs. <laughs> what I want to say about this is Lukaku went absolutely loopy at Delafeu for not passing. But to be fair to Delafeu, I don't think Lukaku given the, the best bit of movement there. Um, I think he was actually for once looking for a pass. But Lukaku was basically, there was two defenders in between him and Delafeu. Delafeu obviously had the pace to get beyond, got one-on-one. I think he was entitled to, make, uh, to, to have the shot. And it was, you know he should have done a little bit better in the end really. But to be fair to him, uh, there was this occasion and there were another few occasions... 
he tried his best to hack him down, didn't he? Outside the box. Um, and they failed. So, but stays at 2-0. It stays at 2-0, but only for another two minutes, two or three minutes. Um, uh, when suddenly we found ourselves 3-0 up from probably, you know, one of the most unlikely goal scorers on the pitch, I suppose you would say. Yeah, so we have our we we had our right back scoring with his left foot with a tidy finish, so to speak. <laughs> tidy, yeah. Tidy finish, uh, and then uh, Delafeu takes a short corner to Brian Oviedo, who cuts in, and he unleashes an unstoppable drive in off the post with his right foot. <laughs> Leighton, who great finish, you know, Leighton Baines, who exactly, um, and I, I'm going to put it out there now, you know. I thought Brian Oviedo had a, had a great game. You know, uh, there's a goal, and obviously he's played the hand in in the fourth goal as well. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I I think we both picked him as our man of the match afterwards. Didn't yeah. We? I mean, there was quite a few players you could throw in. I thought, and to be fair to him, we we've already commented that that Stoke offered nothing in an attacking form. So, you know, I think this was not a test of Oviedo's defensive skills because he had very little defending to do and that's shown by the amount of time he spent in, in Stokes half. He was pushed off virtually as a left winger most of the game, wasn't he? Uh, which is probably somewhere he's maybe slightly more comfortable at, you think? Or Yeah, I mean, he did. He did. He was comfortable enough on the ball and, you know, I saw the highlights, I think it was on Too Good, Too Bad or something like that on Match of the Day 2 and it was like uh, Everton had been practising the back heels and there was about five or six of them, and Oviedo was part of that, part of that. So it's obviously got a like you know a bit of flair, you know, a good bit of passing, um, and then obviously that, that finish with his right foot. Well, yeah, I mean I've been I've said on past podcasts, you know, I didn't think he was ready to step into the shoes of Leighton Baines. Uh, I didn't think you know he, he looked good enough to play at the top level at the moment. Um, but on Saturday he clearly did. Yeah. Uh, you know he, he had a great game. He, he slotted straight in. Uh, and as you say, it seemed to allow Pinar to play better as well. I thought they had, they had a good link-up. Oviedo linked up with Delafeu a few times. Uh, you know, I thought he had, he had a great game. So, another contribution from him, as you just said then, he had, he had the part in the fourth goal. Uh, and it was a nice, another nice little bit of play. Did well. He was going down the left, cut back on the inside, and then put a cross in to... They're soon to be departing from the pitch, hopefully not from Everton. Uh, Lukaku, who couldn't miss really, could he? he was on, completely on a plate for him. Yeah, he was. Um, you know, it's one of them. It's a striker's goal, isn't it? There's, there's not more to say about it than that. He didn't really have to do anything. And, and his number was up. He was about to go off. He hadn't done much else for the rest of the game apart from loaning at Delafeu and not passing to him. <laughs> um, he hadn't really done anything. Had uh, opportunity to, to do anything else, had he? No, I mean, it was one of them occasions where Jelovic had already been stripped off for yeah. a while. We all knew that was the substitution. We thought Lukaku was just having one of them games where maybe, you know, it wasn't his day. Uh, and then he does what all great strikers do and just pops up with a little goal. Last kick of the game for him. Yeah. Uh, gets a stand on the base with the Gladys. Everyone forgets that he wasn't particularly great on the day. Probably our worst playing, in all fairness. Um and, and it's happy days and we're all talking about how great he is again yeah really really timely goal and obviously makes way for Jelovic and, and Jelovic came on and reminded us just how lucky we are to have Lukaku at the moment yeah so I, I really do feel sorry for Jelovic because a lot of his movement was great again but 
where it counts again. You know, he had a, a, a really amazing opportunity one on one with Begovic coming out, and Begovic has made a good save. But you'd put your money on the Kaku. Uh, you would have put your money on the Kaku finishing it. You would have put money on any decent striker finishing it, and Jelovic didn't manage to. And you know, it really would have been. I don't think he'd get a better chance than that, and I don't think he'll get another opportunity like that for a long time because I think you know, four nil up. It, you know, we can. He's got the luxury of taking Lukaku off and putting Jelovic on. I can't see it happening against Man U. Can you? No, I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, you know, Lukaku will play 90 minutes, I think, in both the next two I games, barring any... You know, maybe if there's a tactical change, maybe... What, tactical go uh, from good to being bad? <laughs> no, as in, you know, there's times this season where he's he put Morales up top, for instance, because he just thinks that might be a bit of a key to the yeah, door. Yeah, well, that's, that's, the only op- that's the option I can see, rather than yeah, Jelovic going up there. I must admit, that surprised me a little bit, where he just brought Morales on for the last 10 minutes yeah. in the game, because I didn't really see that as a, you know... A, I thought maybe you bring with four 0 up, no point risking, uh, you know, any injuries. Maybe bring Hibbert on to give him ten minutes or yeah. something. And he brought Morales on, and I think again that just shows the mentality of Martinez. Yeah, I think he he kind of wanted to keep him fresh going into the Man U game. The other substitutions in the game, as we talked about, was Jelovic coming on for Lukaku and Stones. I can't remember who came on for though. Was it Pienaar? Uh, I've got no idea. I can't remember. I can't remember. But it, it do. You, do you think he, he he went into a three-five-two formation then for a, a brief period when Stones came on? We couldn't really tell because Stoke weren't really offering anything, were they? No, I mean because Everton really played most of the game in like a, a two-six-two <laughs> yeah. formation, didn't we? Really, yeah, we really did. Yeah, I, it, it, that's it, it. Sounds strange, but we were that far off the pitch. That that's how we were playing. So uh, I think he probably did have a slight change in formation, but. It, did, it was irrelevant, wasn't it? it? Did, yeah, it, you know, it didn't make the slightest bit of difference. Stoke were woeful, um, and I'm sure Mark Hughes probably went crazy after after that game. I mean, you look at their team, and it, it it really when it when it was the, the lineups and in the warm up, it looked a bit like men versus boys. The size of their team, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, you look at Crouch in Zonzi, he's a, a beast. He's a big unit. Shawcross, who saw the rest of them, um, and. We just played them off the par. Yeah, and it did, we didn't we didn't really buy into any of their uh, you know their like kind of roughhouse tactics, which they sometimes uh, you know are prone to. We didn't really get involved in any of that. You know, uh, Delafeo had a couple of runs and he tried to hack them down a few times. Uh, there was a, there was a, a particular tackle on uh, Lukaku where he do you remember the defender had his arms completely around him. Lukaku yeah. carried on running, ended up in a booking, but didn't really rise to anything like that, whereas before they'd been able to wind players like Flaney up and you know and to good effect. Didn't really buy into any of it and we just we stormed it. I think we had twelve shots on target. And so it could have been about six, seven nil. Uh, but it unfortunately well, we can't really say unfortunately because it was a good win, wasn't it? Four 0 It was. Uh, and as I said before, I think on the day we both gave Oviedo man of the match. Yeah. Um I'd say looking back at the game now, I'm gonna give my man of the match to three people, and it's going to be Oviedo, Barry, and Delafeu. Uh, well, arguably, the man of the match overall was Begovic. Again, for the second second week running, an opposition goalkeeper. Well, plays. can you really get man of the match as a goalkeeper if you concede the four goals? Well, Minulated the week before conceding three. Well, I suppose. So yeah, I it's, suppose. So it's um, he, he did, and <laughs> it was funny, wasn't it? Because when he were four 0 down and the ball came back to uh, Begovic. 
he was just taking his time over everything. He was you could tell how peed off he was at, at the rest of his team because he was just like proper like a little bit of a tantrum, spat his dummy out and just taking forever over everything, even though they were four 0 down, which you don't normally see. Well, uh, what I will say about Begovic, what is a uh, good sportsman, very respectful of the crowd, gave a good clap to the crowd as he came up to the Everton fans, you know, to start the second half, and then even after getting trounced four 0 uh, turn around and gave them a good clap after the game as well when he could have just walked off uh, with, yeah, you know in a huff not um, enough goalkeepers do, I, do that no I, I like I like Begovic yeah. and well, he's a good keeper he deserves he deserves a lot better than Stoke in all honesty he was, he's been linked with Man U over and over and over over the years hasn't he um, do you know what I, I don't like when I don't mind fans having banter and you know players, you know players having banter and giving them stick or something like that. But when some when a goalkeeper's respectful like that, there's a, there's a there's a lad who sits a couple of rows in front of us now, and he just shouts just abuse for abuse sake and shouting shouting at Begovic saying, "Oh, you're you're shit, you whatever, whatever, whatever." And you know why? There's always going to be a dear to the match, isn't it? Well, at the end of the day, but yeah, as you say, you know that you know. What's what's Begovic ever done to us? He's he's a professional. He's coming to play for the team he plays for. Uh, let him get on with his job. You know he he's not giving the the crowd abuse. So why are we giving him abuse, especially when we're beating him four 0 Yeah. So you know, leave the lads alone. Choose your arguments and and choose your battles. And that's Begovic on the other end of a four 0 hide and isn't really one of them. Exactly. Um, but I've got a funny feeling that it's not going to be as much of an easy ride in our next two games, which uh, we're going to come on to a bit later in the podcast uh, yeah. after we've had a bit of Everton news. News! Right, Mark, it's at, at this point, I think we really need to mention something to our listeners in case there's any bleeding from the noisiest person on the planet who's currently upstairs doing your wife's hair. Well, you know, obviously we're in our high-tech studio, which is actually my living room. And yeah, we've, we've upgraded from the kitchen. Yeah, we have upgraded. Um, and basically in the next-door studio, which is the upstairs room, is some sort of hairdressing podcast getting recorded. And my Mrs. Hairdresser is the loudest woman in the world. So if you can hear any just inane female witterings we do apologise yeah there's a lot of um, oh, so are you going anywhere nice I think probably after uh, I was out shopping with the wife today yes I know you probably don't think such a, a footballing guru like myself would do uh, feminine things like shopping uh, and we bumped into Phil Jagielka your mate Phil my mate Phil yeah uh, my missus is probably now telling the hairdresser how she bumped into I don't know Phil Gorgonzola or something because that's how much you know as well football. Yeah. Anyway, I thought we'd just mention that. So if you do hear a but louder than that, it's not just us whittering. It's got we've got a guest as well. They probably actually could do a better <laughs> podcast on Everton than us. To be <laughs> probably fair, probably know more about football and the rules. <laughs> probably yeah. They probably know what the uh, the, the five yellow card booking rule was, whereas we don't. Yeah. So first up for news, Mark. I I want to talk. The, the, key, the magic number here seems to be 25. I thought for, three was the magic number. Well, that's, that's just another song. Anyway, uh, 25 is, 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 seems to be the magic number revolving, uh, involving uh, Romelu Lukaku. First up, first up uh, after the game on Saturday, uh, Roberto was said to challenge Lukaku 
to fire us into the Champions League. And by in doing that, scoring 25 goals, he, he thinks that'll be enough to do it. Right, OK. So, first of all, your thoughts on that? Do I think he'll score 25 league goals this season? Yeah. If he stays fit, yes. Second question. Do you think 25 league goals from Lukaku would indicate enough of a good season to us to be challenging for it? Uh, sorry, not to be challenging, to be in the top four? It, it depends if we get goals from other areas of the pitch and if we keep enough clean sheets, doesn't it? I mean, he could score 25 goals, but we could concede 100. So, that you know, we wouldn't pick up enough points. A lot, of, a lot of emphasis is put on strikers and the number of goals they pick, but not enough emphasis is probably put on clean sheets. Well, uh, and they're just as important to winning games as, you know... You know, if we won every single game from here to the end of the season, 1-0... You know, and only scored another twenty odd goals this season, then you'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, I don't know. It's if we carry on with the same kind of form and Lukaku ends up with twenty five goals, I think. I don't know whether one one team's going to drop out. It's just I, I was going to leave this for a little bit later, but it's just getting so tight there, isn't it? I think Newcastle is just behind us. I can't see them sticking it. Southampton, I can't see them sticking it. But you're still looking at Chelsea. Man U are going to come up. City, obviously the shite. Arsenal, I think, think, run away. I think Tottenham are going to come good. We'll have a much, much clearer perspective on it by the end of this month. There's seven games in December uh, for every Premier League side. By the end of December, going into the new year, it will have broke up a little bit because I mean even even this week you look at this week and the two games and there's big games going. I mean we're playing Man United and Arsenal. I was going to say this time next week it might be a lot clearer. It might, but I think that certainly by the end of this month, you know, in three or four podcast time, we'll have a much clearer view and it and it will probably give you a, a much sort of greater outlook on, on how the end of the season is going to finish. Okay, right, so. As I said, 25 seems to be a magic number for Lukaku. And there's been news reports come out today that Chelsea have told Everton that Lukaku would cost £25 million. I like this little 25 thing you've got yeah. going on here. Well, you know, you've got to think about these links. £25 million? £25 million. Pay it now. Yeah. See, I was trying to think about this realistically. You know, when you, when you think about you know, Everton and £25 million, you think, oh, who are we selling for £25 million? realistically? But, you know, in terms of inflation and how the market changes and stuff like that, we paid £15 million for Fellaini, what, four or five years ago? Surely we should be in a position to break our transfer record again, That you know, these years later, especially after having sold Fellaini for £27.5 million. I think if we bought Lukaku for £25 million now, yeah. that's a free transfer. Because even if we played Adam for five years, he'd only be 25. And the way he's playing, then he's, he's probably worth more than 25 million. So it's literally a free... It's, to me, it's a no-brainer. Now, you might have the whole, well, where are we going to get 25 million from? Surely a club like Everton could get a loan for 25 million. And I don't like clubs going into debt. I love the way... Everton have run to a certain level where we don't put ourselves in, you know, financial difficulty of 
going bankrupt or, or you know doing a Rangers or a Leeds or whoever else. However, to me, it's a no-brainer. You, you can't lose if they we, we are willing to take twenty-five million. That is a steal. It seems to be. It, it seems you know we we hoped at the beginning of the season we were like and it was just like kind of you know pipe dream or whatever. But it seems to be getting a little bit of pace and a little bit, bit of realism. It's, a, it's starting to become an actual possibility. Would you agree with that? Well, I think so. I mean, I know we have, we have some listeners who, who obviously are outside of the UK. You know, we've got a few listeners in Ireland and we've even got one or two in Australia. A few in Australia, know. a few in America, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we have a TV programme here on a Saturday before the game's called Football Focus on the BBC. Um, and, you know, Lukaku was interviewed on that last Saturday and the question was put to him, you know, if Everton were to qualify for the Champions League, this would you want to stay at Everton next season? And he said, yeah, I would. He said, well, no, he, he, he was very, very, he, I mean, he was just an, a really great interview, really humble guy, really down to earth, and he went, you know, that's not a bad idea, you know, and, and, and you can see in his face, you know, that... You can see in his face and his in his actions, and I, a few people have said it. He's starting to get that Everton bug. I think he's a switched-on lad. I think he knows at his age, you know, there's no rush for him to be at a, a Chelsea or a Man United or a Barcelona or a Real Madrid because if he just keeps playing and he plays every week and he scores every week, those opportunities are going to come to him That's when, when he said, when. Yeah. When he's got, when he deserves it, and when not saying that he doesn't deserve it now, but when he can, you know, he's got enough of an order about him to go in and demand that he, he starts week in week out for these clubs. At the moment, he, he hasn't got that at Chelsea. He hasn't got that at these big clubs. He has got it at Everton, you know. So he, he knows if he's at Everton, he's going to play every week. He's going to probably score every week. He's going to be the icon of Everton. Yeah. And then he can get his move when he's 25, 26. And, 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 ever, and then Lukaku will benefit from that. Whoever buys him is going to benefit from getting a complete player who's, who's tested at the highest level. And obviously, Lukaku's going to benefit. Everyone's a winner. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd go with that. And <laughs> we, we, we can build a team around him for you know five years. So... I, I think yeah, twenty five million. It's got to be done. It's got it's got to be. Even if it's you know next year's telly money as well. And you know we, we've we've got a little bit of depth now showing. Let's have a raffle. Let's, you know, let's have a collection at the game. Everyone can bring in their unwanted Christmas presents, and we'll sell them on eBay or something. Let's just let's just get. We must as a club be able to get together twenty five million. <laughs> Listen, if it means selling Leighton Baines. I don't want that to happen, but if that, if yeah. that's what it takes, uh, I think let's... that might I think that might be what it takes. But um, I don't know. As you, you were just saying before about you know you know he would start at every, every week, and he, that was something he said in a little interview. He said something you know if he'd have stayed at Chelsea this season, he maybe would have you know had four games and one goal, one goal or something. And in, at the time of the interview, he'd played eight games and got seven goals, and now he's played nine games and got eight goals. At Everton, and you know he's the focal point of our you know of our old team at the moment, um, and I saw the, a few things on on a, on Facebook today on the Everton pages, not the ones that aren't quite as good as our one, uh, and 
but just the, the, the new the new Holy Trinity, the Holy Trinity reborn, Lukaku, Barkley and Delafeu. I thought that it's, it's just a nice, nice little. There's no comparison, but I thought that'd be a nice little. Uh, Sorry, Lukaku, Delafeu and Barkley. Yeah. The Holy Trinity. Wouldn't shouldn't it be like Barry McCarthy and Barkley? Well, it's it's still three players, isn't it? Well, I'm not. I'm not a subscriber to that in any way. But it's an, it'd be nice though, wouldn't it? If, if they if they were, if they became that good that they were talked in, you know, in that way. What I, what I did see this week, and this is, I've not substantiated this in any way, so I could be wrong here. But I think Lukaku has possibly now got the best goals to minutes ratio ever in the Premier League. Possibly, possibly is. I, I don't know. Well, eight, eight goals in nine games. No, I mean, oh, overall, in his at career, West, at West Brom in, as well. In his career, yeah. Was it seventeen goals last season? Coming off the I think bench? So. in minutes, in, in minutes, goals to minutes ratio. You know, so obviously, say he scores once every seventy six minutes or something. Yeah. Whatever it is, he has the best one ever in the Premier League. Hmm, it's good, and we've got him. So that might need checking out on Google or something. But again, you know, <laughs> we're not going to do that level of research. Okay, we've. Uh, you know, drooled over Lukaku enough. Uh, somebody who, again, we've talked about, might be leaving. Heitinger, again. There's rumours this week that he's going to leave in January. Fiorentina deal done, apparently. Well, I, I don't know. What I saw, like, a, little, a little bit with Martinez, said he'd do right by him, whatever that means. So, I think by that, I, I tend to think that, that means he won't price him out of a move. I think obviously Heiting is hoping to go to the World Cup, isn't he? Probably, you know, yeah. maybe his last shout at the World Cup with Holland. Um, and while he's stuck on the bench at Evan and not getting the game, he, you know, he, he's slipping probably further and further down the pecking order for the Dutch. Um, I don't think they're overly blessed at centre half, uh, which is probably. Well, nobody wants to play there, do they? <laughs> if, you, if you've got that total football approach, I think everyone wants to be a striker or a winger or a midfielder. Nobody wants to play in defence if you're Dutch and you can kick the ball with both feet. And well, I, don't, I don't know what. I, I suppose, but obviously that's. I think that's what. So that's what Martinez probably means. You know. Uh, yeah, uh, you know. I'm happy that John Stones is the, is there as cover now. So. Uh, and our mate, <laughs> who we've never seen, Alcaraz. Yeah, he still isn't here though, is he? Um, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, you know, I I've liked Johnny as a player. Uh, I think he, you know, he sometimes gets a bit of a bad press when he doesn't deserve it. But good luck to him if he uh, if he gets a move. I, I wish him all the best. I don't think he's going to get another chance at Everton, Jim. No, I think some drastic injury problems. No, I don't think we're going to get a great fee for him either. You know, maybe a million quid, million and a half. It's not a fair wedge though, isn't he? Wage wise, so we... yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. I think I remember seeing a stat a couple of seasons ago, and he was either. I think he was our highest paid player or second highest paid player anyway at the club. So I think he's on, you know, a decent 50, 60 grand a week. Get it cleared off the wage bill if it's, you know, it's not needed. Yeah. So. Uh, Pay some more money for Lukaku. So that's one player could be leaving. Again, we've been linked with McGeezy this week, who we've talked to about a, a million times. He's been times. transfer listed now, I believe. So you could probably pick him up for the money you get for hiding him. Yeah. Again, we've been linked with bringing our mate Landon back. Uh, but that's been vetoed now, I believe. Uh, the manager of whoever it is, LA Galaxy's come out and said that neither Robbie Keane or Landon Donovan will be coming to the Premier League in the winter. Okay, so that's that one put to bed. 
Uh, right, so that, that, that's pretty much our transfer talk done. I'm gutted we're not getting Robbie Keane. <laughs> anyway, what I've got next is Barcelona. See, like we do sometimes work from notes. We don't always just go on the fly and not know what we're talking about. Is um, I've got it written down as Moy's snide comment. And you didn't necessarily see it as that, did you, Mark? No, I, I think everyone's looking for an excuse to have a go at Moyes at the minute, and I think he's just doing a, a normal press conference and didn't really mean anything by it. I think he was basically asked, wasn't he, what does he think of the job Roberto Martinez is doing at Everton? And he's basically said uh, he's, doing, he's doing OK, and he's doing well, uh, but Everton at the moment, they could basically play without a manager. Uh, you know, saying about the players, they can go out there and play without a manager. Um, also, he's doing okay. He's carrying on, carrying it on. Well, that would have been much better if you'd done that in a in a Scottish accent. Yeah, well, I, you do the impressions. I don't. I'm not doing the Scottish accent. Um, yeah, you know, I I think it's one of them, isn't it? He can't come out and start raving on about Everton and start raving on about his time at Everton because he's Man United manager and. You know, it's going to upset Man United fans, and he, he's still in that process of, you know, he, he's trying to, you know, ingratiate himself, isn't he, with the Man United fans who, who some of them haven't really taken to him at the moment. So, uh, you know, what's he supposed to say? I, I don't know. I just think it's a little bit of a backhanded compliment, and I agree with the hordes of Everton fans who are fuming at him. Uh, it's just, why not just say they're doing well, not the carrying on? Because it's not. Particularly carrying it on was our way of playing has changed. Yeah, but you say this, but you know, people seem to have short memories and forget that we were already playing football. There's a lot of Evertonians out there who were saying we who suddenly have started to think that we've only started playing football since Roberto Martinez came to the club. We played nice football last season, and not a great deal has changed really when you think about it. Apart from some Jagielka long balls up to Fellaini. A lot of Jagielka balls up to Fellaini. <laughs> that was a lot of our play. And we were, qu- we were quite predictable. You know, it was like either that or it was ball out to the left. Baines put the cross in. And that's the way it was. Um, I think there's a lot more... There's a lot more... A lot less direct kind of play. As in missing the midfield. That was midfield build-up. And how many one-on-ones do we seem to be having lately? Well, yeah, that that does seem to have come back, you know. But how many of these one-on-ones are we scoring? Yeah, well, that's another point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's a question for you: If we'd have had Lukaku last season, would David Moyes have finished in the top four? I yeah. think definitely, yeah. Definitely. So, you know, people seem to, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying, you know, Moyes was a terrible manager. He was negative. He was this. He was that. And you know, we've we've now moved on with Martinez, and yet we have moved on. Um, and you know, I think Roberto Martinez is going to do a great job for us. But I still think that we should give David Moyes a certain level of respect for what he's done at the club. I I agree with you. I think he should give us a little uh, level of respect, and not just because we've reacted badly because he came in to try and underhandedly get a couple of our players. Of course, we're going to react badly to that. What was underhandedly about it? Well, trying to bid uh, under the market value for two top quality players when he wouldn't he wouldn't have accepted that as a manager himself and I, I, I never realised that negotiation was underhanded well it's, you call it, ne- call it negotiation but he was bidding for players which he had 
you know, a few weeks before himself. So it's, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a realistic valuation and he knew it and it, it was a bit of a slap in the face. So, and the fact that the fans rea- reacted badly to that and the fact that it's come out since that he basically agreed to manage him in February, you know, it's left a sour taste in our mouths, but that shouldn't undo the respect that he had for us during his time. Because we haven't done anything to him since. No, of course not. And I mean, you know, the best way to quieten any sort of snidey comments, if that's the way they were intended, was to go out there and to beat them tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. That, that is the best remedy for it. And go and shove his words down his throat, his little snide comments. He'll still probably come back with little snide comments and say that David Moyes Everton has beat Alex Ferguson's Man United. Well, the thing is, you know, we all know that you know he didn't manage to win a game at Old Trafford in his time there. So if Roberto Martinez can go and do it on his first attempt, he hasn't really got a foot to stand on, has he? David Moyes would yeah. have to come back with any sort of other comments. So um, yeah, let's just get the game out the way tomorrow, and hopefully, um, you know, I'm sure he's going to get certain abuse and banter, but I just hope it doesn't get too personal. Yeah, uh, talk a little bit about the way we're playing and. The whole football and ethos that we seem to have adapted to under Martinez has been likened to, of all teams, Barcelona. And there's been a little bit of news or basically, you know, a suggestion that should we, as a football club, have a formal link with Barcelona? You know, we've got Delefeo on loan. We seem to have a relationship. Uh, they allowed Delefeo to come on loan to us because they like Martinez and his ethos like total football or whatever you want to call it the passing, the way he plays or the way he has his teams play the way he has his football clubs run you know would it benefit Everton to have a formal this is, this is one of them you know sometimes a subject will pop up and you just can't make your mind up you just can't form an opinion and it's like Remember when we were going to get a new ground and he was talking about, would you, sh- would you share with uh, Liverpool, for instance, would you ground share? And part of me screamed out, not in a million years, but then the sensible part of me thought, well, it really does make a lot of sense. And this is one of them occasions, you know, me, me heart is saying, hang on a minute, we're Everton Football Club, we're one of the greatest clubs in England and at, at times we've been, you know, a good European club as well. There's no way... We should be a feeder club or, you know, somebody who nannies other teams, players for them. Because uh, we're Everton and we're above that. But then the other side of me says, well, hang on a minute. Potentially here we could get players from, you know, the best club in Europe. The likes, you know, similar to Delefeu, um, for free. Who can then push us up to Champions League places or, and then we can then build on that and re-establish ourselves. And, and you know, we're not... For no, you know, monetary cost or no real monetary cost, uh, what we got to lose? I think it's, uh, I think it's complimentary that we're being talked about like that. That Barcelona would see us as a fit inside, that to be able to send the players and play in the same way as them. No, there's, there's a very fine line between complimentary and patronising, though, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, but personally, you know, I don't see any downside in it. It's like, well, you know, because you get your pride hurt a little bit because, you know, Barcelona are a bigger club than us these days. Well, the, the downside is continuity. Yeah. You know, if we're getting players on loan for a season at a time, like, for instance, Delafeu could go on now, play every game for the rest of the season, get man of the match every week, 
and at the end of the season he's gone and how do we fill that void with we another could, kid from Barcelona another kid from Barcelona who's probably a year behind Delafeu and may not be as good you, you know they're not going to produce Delafeu's every year are they even if you're Barcelona well he, he might he might be a flash in the pan one game two yeah, game he, he may I'm just using that you know that's how what I can see the disadvantage to this be will be continuity that's always going to be the problem with getting players on loan Potentially the end of the season, we could lose Barry, Lukaku, Delafeu, and, and you're starting again, aren't you, from scratch, trying to rebuild the squad. If you look at players who've come through over the past couple of years at Barcelona, and it was, it was a Thiago who was sniffing around the first team for a long time before, and now he's kind of broke through. Yeah, uh, you've got Pedro, who's obviously broke through. You've got Thiago, who's... Is Thiago, Al- so he's, Alcantara, he's moved Al- on Al- now, Al- hasn't he? Oh, has he? Yeah, yeah he's moved on. Uh, I think to the end of going to... PSG or Napoli or something. Those players, when they were there, they didn't have the opportunity to break through at Barca because they were in Barca B and you know, and they were like running rings around teams in Barca, for Barca B. That, that's, to me, that's going to be the big, the big difference, really. If we're getting players who are you know, on the bench every week for Barcelona, yeah. fair enough. If we're getting players who are playing for Barcelona B, then they're probably not good enough. Yeah, okay. We'll go with that. But, you know, people saying about the, the club links and stuff like that and, you know, wherever and we shouldn't be. If you think of, you know, possibly the biggest club in the world and, you know, I know we're playing them tomorrow and I don't want to big them up or anything, but, you know, it's, it's arguably the biggest club in the world, Man United. And who were they, who were they linked with? Well, they, they, they've got links with Antwerp and Belgium, haven't they? Or they used to. Yeah. yeah I, I don't I, know whether... I, I'm pretty sure they, I'm sure, I'm sure they still have. But that, that's always like a one-way street, isn't it? Where United send their young players out on loan to get league experience so, at Antwerp. So am, am I shooting my own argument in the foot here? Are we going to be like Antwerp to Man U? That, that's pretty much what, what we're looking at. Yeah, it is. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it works either way. I don't think we're going to be sending the likes of... Conor McAlaney to Barcelona <laughs> to get some first team uh, no, I, experience but I mean if they're not good enough they won't play surely we, we can just go on as we are we don't need to have any formal agreements if Barcelona have got a decent young player and they want to send us out on loan hopefully Delafeu will go back and say I had a great time in Everton you know it's a good place for us to learn and, and that will continue with that, that formal kind of thing being associated with a club like Barcelona you know, if they could do like swap training days or stuff like that, arrange friendlies, you know, Barcelona should want to should be honoured to be associated with Everton. Well, Not the other way round. No, but the, that that it's a good pairing. You know, the School of Science. With like you know, just some club in Spain who are you know not quite. Yeah, <laughs> you know that'll be interesting to see what happens. I, you know, I mean, I think it is just pure speculation from an Everton Everton fan website. Uh, I don't think it's anyone associated with the club who's come up with this. But I well, I think there is something in it because I, I remember when Delafeu came on loan, yeah. uh, Barcelona did come out and say there was only two clubs in England we would have sent sent them to yeah. who play a similar style to ourselves. And that was Everton or Tottenham. Yeah, and Tottenham, well. So so there is obviously some admiration, well, maybe admiration's not the right word, but obviously some certain level of respect from the, from Barcelona. So it's interesting to see what happens. I mean, you know, if Delafeu ends up being a bit of a superstar this season and it, it works out, then fair play, let it continue. Yeah, OK, we've got one final bit of news and it's something you spotted on one of these, uh, one of these sports sites. And it was our, one of our former players is doing all right for himself, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, 
Well, he's having a bit of a great year, really. He got entered into the Not Bitter, Just Better Hall of Fame a few weeks ago yeah. as a token nutter. Uh, it's, it's, it's Tommy Gravison. And uh, I, I, I had no idea about this story, and it just popped up on Yahoo News the other day. Tommy Gravison has made, he invested his money basically when he retired from football. I don't think he retired with like huge sums of money, but he, but he went back to Denmark, he invested his money, and he's had some sort of financial windfall, giving him £90 million. Pounds. What? Uh, and he basically, he's got a love of gambling, so he's now got his £90 million, pounds, moved to Las Vegas with some sort of Danish porn star who is fit. Uh, and, and that's going to be his life from now, just chilling out in Vegas. And living life to the full. So I, I think we can safely say that he's never going to be at one of Paul's nights, is he? No, I, I somehow don't think we're going to manage to get him down to players uh, on a Saturday now uh, to, to do a talk to the Evertonians. You never know, he's been right to have a big love for the club. But if any Blues are listening to this, and you go on their holidays to Vegas. Keep a little look out down the strip for Tommy Tommy Gravison and his uh, and his hot misses. Well, his hot misses, you might more keep an eye out for. Yeah, I think I'd have a, have a night out in the town with Tommy Gravison. That would be a night, a night in Vegas. It'd be like the Hangover, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that pretty much rounds up our news. We've got no black loan updates because we don't know what happened to our loan players this no, week. No, we don't know if Garbutt scored this week, uh, and Velios still hasn't gone to Tramia. Uh, he's still just playing with the under 12s. Oh, oh no, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? That sounds with Jimmy yeah, Shovel. No, just leave it there. Yeah, yeah. okay. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Okay, it's got to the preview part of the show, and it's we normally look at a game coming up at the weekend, but we've got two games to look ahead to. As we mentioned earlier on the podcast, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so we've got Man U to look forward to tomorrow, and then Arsenal at the weekend. A couple of easy games there. Yeah, it should be an easy six points, shouldn't it, really? Uh, well, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, should we start with Man U? Obviously, yeah, let's that, do it in chronological order. Um, so this could, be, this could come out a little bit... You know, you'll listen to this on Thursday or Friday and you'll know the result before us. So we're just going to talk about a little bit of, you know, what, speculate a little bit as to what the side may be and you're going to predict the score, aren't you? So I'll, have, I'll have a go and obviously pick out a man to watch. Um, Side-wise, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because at how the do moment... You change? How do you change from that 4-0? How, how do you change? But then you look at, you know... You'd want Barclay and Morales to come in, wouldn't you? It's a very, very different challenge, isn't it? Playing at, at the at the at moment, Stoke. at the moment though, you've got you've literally got Pinar, Osman, Barclay, Morales, and Delafeu. So you've got five players to fit into three specs. Yeah, so you, you, McCarthy and Barry are set. Oh yeah, that, yeah. They at the moment they'd be my first two names on the team sheet. Yeah, undoubtedly. So. I think Barkley, after having the rest of the weekend, I think he'll come back in. For who? I don't know. I think probably Delafeu will go back to being on the bench, but I think he's very unfortunate if he does. It'd be hard done to if he does, won't he? But then, you know, I think if if you'd asked me my ideal lineup, I'd probably say 
I mean, I lost someone wing, Delefeu on the other, Barkley, and this is crazy attacking. This is, this is if you're playing on this fantasy manager. This is fantasy football, yeah. Uh, and then obviously, you know, McCarthy and, and Barry in the middle with Lukaku up top. But I don't think that's the way we're going to go. And then you, you factor into that that Pina had his best game in ages on, on Saturday as well. So Very tricky. It's difficult. It? These are the type of dilemmas you want though as a manager. Well, they are. And especially when you've got another game against Arsenal on Sunday at the weekend. You know, you, you're going to want to rotate the, them around a little bit. Um, I think Barkley and Morales will come in. Uh, and I think uh, Osman and Delafay will go to the bench. Do you think there's any danger of Oviedo losing his place? Because, it's, as I said before, it is a very, very different battle, isn't it? From Stoke at home to Man U away. And I, Valencia has been in good form lately on the right. At the minute, I don't think there is, purely for the fact that probably the only other option is to put Barry there. And we we'll, we'll, we're going to need Barry in the centre of the park. Um, so, uh, that that's my... That's, how I think we, we'll line up, but I keep getting this wrong every week. I keep saying, no, Barkley's coming back in, or Delafay used to I think a lot of people are, a lot of people, you know, and that, that, that does say how far we've come because you could pretty much, um, injuries permitting, n- uh, name our side last season. I'd say, uh, for, unfortunately, for uh, the bad news for uh, as far as the Man United lineup goes, is the form of Rooney and also. Van Persie looks like he might be fit. To come, yeah, Van Persie's been out with a hamstring injury, was it? Uh, but he looks like he's possibly going to be fit. Whether they'll play, he'll play him against ourselves, uh, or they'll they'll save him for the weekend game, I don't know. But you know, they've got Hernandez sitting there who I think is a great player anyway. So he, he pops up a lot against us, Hernandez, doesn't he? He does. Um, and but so does Van Persie. <laughs> so I think look, looking at that, how their team are going to line up, um, you know. My man to watch is... It's a bit of a strange one, this. And it's a player that we probably know very little about. But my man to watch is... Marouane Fellaini. Who? He's a Belgian player. Oh, yeah. We've uh, got a couple of them. We have got a couple of them, yeah. Yeah, he he, play, he's, he comes from Belgium. Uh, he's a bit of a big unit with a big afro. Oh, yeah. Apparently, like, he uses chest a lot. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's being touted as, you know, a good up-and-coming player, basically. Uh, he's not at the best of starts at Man United, uh, and he, he, he's probably looking... He's a bit of a big-game player, from what I know. Oh, this is a big game, isn't it? And, well, to him, this is a big game, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think he might have a bit of a performance on his hands tomorrow, if he played. Yeah, well, who, who marks him? Gattafari. Gareth Barry, past and present. So it's going to be that is going to be a very interesting battle. If so, he's your man. I, th- I mean, I, yeah. I think it's got to be Rooney. Rooney's the danger man at the moment. No, well, you know, whenever you play a side like Man United, you play Arsenal. You can pick one of five players, can't you? Um, for for man of the, you know a man to watch. So I just think tomorrow it will be very interesting. The man to watch thing isn't always going to be who's their best player. Yeah, I think tomorrow that is going to be a bit, if Fellaini plays. Fellaini versus Barry McCarthy is going to be a very interesting battle to watch. Yeah. So, Vidic, obviously, great centre-back. Strength, sometimes he, 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 he you know, he's, he's had a few injury scares. He, he got a battle on his hands with Lukaku. Uh, who have they got? Who are they playing at right-back at the moment? Uh, 
well, it's, Phil it's, Jones. It's smaller, Phil, smaller, usually, yeah. smaller, or again, but again, United are very much one of them teams where it's so difficult to predict who's going to play. You know, they've got Phil Jones could be at centre half, he could be at right back. Smallin's the same. Will he play Johnny Evans? Fit. Will he play Fernand? They're, they're just one of those teams where Everett, you know, you'd expect you'd expect Everett to play at left back. You'd expect Rooney to play. Apart from that, it, you know, it could be anyone. Is it? Are we going to get cleverly? Are we going to get Kagawa? Or you know, yeah. does Young play? Does Valencia play? It, it, does that young Janice kid play? Would it's you fancy Delafeu or Morales against Evra? He's I, still a good player. I'd fancy either of them, really. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the one thing about Morales is he does tend to go missing in, in, in big games sometimes. So As do Everton. You know, away. I, I, well, in, in this, year, this is what we said before. Under David Moyes, we didn't win. And any of the, you know, the so-called big four away. Has that fear gone now under, under Martinez? Who have we played away so far this season? Man City, who was our only defeat of the season. Man City. So it's you know, but who might that you know we're not the only ones. You well, know. Tottenham went there and got beat six 0 so, so Well, did we, was it one 0 that we got beat? Three one, three one. Oh, it was three. Yeah, it was three one. Yeah. Um, should remember that because we were there, weren't we? Yeah, in the Emirates. In the Emirates, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, and I don't know why. And I must sound, every week I predict us to win, and I must sound like the most optimistic man in the world, and I'm not really, I'm, I'm naturally a pessimist. You were saying all on Saturday that we were going to get beat. I did, I suddenly got a feeling of, like, you know, nervousness going into the game against Stoke, and just thought we were, everyone was taking it a bit too light-heartedly, and, and not really taking them seriously, and I thought maybe we could have underestimated Stoke and, and slipped up, but I've just got a feeling we're going to get something tomorrow, and... I can see it making you know the the headlines on the back page that we get one over on Moyes and I want to go. I'm gonna go one nil Everton. We'd have that, of course. I I would personally in both games. I'd have I'll a, take a point. I'll take a point from both games because it means we've we haven't lost any ground on any ground on a couple of the teams who are going to be around the top six, obviously. You know, so well I think aren't Liverpool playing Fulham. Is it Fulham they're playing this week? I think they are. So, so they've got, um, I can't even say his name, Mullenstein. 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 As the new manager his first game, so they could have the new manager effect. They could, but I'd expect Liverpool to get something at Fulham. I'd expect them to get Because they're at home as well, aren't they, Liverpool? They're at Anfield, so I would expect them to get three points. Um, I, th- I think we've got much more chance of getting something at United than we have of getting something at the Emirates. The actual Emirates this time. Yeah, the, the actual yeah, the the <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so we, do you want to go? Give a quick. You, know, you give your prediction one 0 uh, So do you, you, you want to go straight on to Arsenal? Yeah, and then again, it's pretty much the same, isn't it? I mean, we you know, can't really talk about. We can't really speculate on teams. I expect the back five to be the same, barring any injuries or suspensions. I expect Lukaku to start up front on his own, barring injuries or suspensions, and I expect. McCarthy and Barry to start in centre of the park and then I've got no idea who the other three players will be yeah well I mean yes we, we, we can only <laughs> would you like to even hazard a guess at a, at a score in that one against Arsenal against Arsenal I think it'll be our second defeat of the season I think the way Arsenal are playing at the moment you know 
I think it'll be a very entertaining game because I think we're very similar in the, in the way we approach games. Well, that's. You, you I think it's that, got we're the, the second best footballing team in the league at the moment, according to a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's got the potential to be a great game. Uh, you know, it could be a three-two or something. I've got no idea. Um, but if we can take from the next two games, if we can take three points, I'd be I'd be more than happy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd go with that. I, if we could take two points, I'd be happy because, as I say, you know, it means those clubs around us, uh, you know, those two clubs around us haven't particularly gained any ground. Uh, you know, gone too far ahead of us, uh, or in my news case, gained any ground on us. Uh, so, you know, I'd have to. Uh, my my worry about Arsenal is you, you know you keep watching all these shows and the experts the so-called experts and pundits everybody keeps asking can they win the league? Of course they can. Of course they can. But you know what do we know? We don't know anything about football. We just talk on an, uh, on our own Everton podcast. Uh, but all these experts are saying now Arsenal can't win the league. I think they're easily the favourites at the moment. They're the best team in the league by far. Do you know what the only thing I will say going into the, Everton, the the game against Arsenal is? I think we're fairly well equipped. If you, A lot of Arsenal's play at the moment clearly goes through Ramsey and Wilshire. Now, Ramsey and so Wilshire... So keep them too quiet. Well, we've got players, to, you know, in, in Barry and McCarthy, we've got players you can sort of... Can, could keep them quiet. But... You've still got you've got Arteta who plays in a deep role if he plays Arteta or, or Flamini. Yeah, Flamin. They're not. Re- he's not really going to hit. It. I know you're you're ignoring Ozil. No, but that's that's exactly what I was going to go on to. You. You've got Arteta who was probably the least threat- threatening midfielder in a deep role with Flamini to come in who scored a cracker at the weekend, and then you've got Ozil, Walcott who's uh, come back in, Cazorla. Uh, and Giroud up front. Yeah, hope so. So, <laughs> and even even on the bench, you've got Riziki who can come in and do a job, a, a good job as well. And it's going, it's going, it's it's going to be our. I think, you know, along with City away, obviously, it's going to be our toughest test this season. So and I know we're playing United, but I think Arsenal away and City away is a tougher test than than, than United away at the moment on current form. Uh, so, yeah. I'll be happy with three points out of the two games. I'm hoping. I've got my fingers crossed that we can get three points at Old Trafford. I just want to get that that whole hoodoo over, you know, winning away at one of these clubs out the way. Well, it just does me that's a funny, that's a, It's a funny one, that, because just looking at our, you know, our last win at Old Trafford, and it was 20 years ago. Was it 20 years? 20 years ago. Was it 20 ne- years ago on podcast number 20. Oh yeah, yeah. Numbers. Talk about numbers. Twenty. And um, can can you name the scorers from that game? I know one of them because we've discussed it, and it's someone we mentioned already. It was a number twenty for Evan. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Vajica. Robbie Vajica. Bob the Pole got one of them. Would you, you think Everton in nineteen ninety two ninety three season? Could you? In fact, it was nineteen ninety ninety three. Anyway, it was around that time. Anyway, <laughs> can you? Can you think of the other two scorers? Did Precky get one? No. I'm struggling now. Peter Beardsley. Right. And Mojo. Morris Johnson. Johnson Morris yeah. Johnson. And we won 3 0. And that was the last time we won at Old Trafford. Um, the Emirates. 
we won this, we won at the Emirates a few years ago. We went Pino. Well, Pino scored that lovely little chip in, the, in the game where it was snowing. Yeah, uh, and we we've had a couple of other wins at uh, the, the Emirates and Highbury. Uh, we went to, we went to the Emirates last year, didn't we? And it was the Van Persie. Don't like last year, year before. Year before, yeah, where Van Persie scored that, that unbelievable that volley. volley. Yeah, yeah, um, but. That's how much things have changed, isn't it? Usually, you'd be a lot more worried about going to Old Trafford than you would about going to going to the Emirates. It's at Highbury then, um, but you know, I I think the the game at Old Trafford at the on paper is the much easier game at the moment. We might get battered there tomorrow night. Now I've said that, but we might do. Crossed. I mean, it, that's the thing. We, we we could we could well do. I just think we go and be, and I'm sure we will because that's how Martinez plays. Let's just go out and have a go. Yeah, let's you know. Let's not go out and see. if this was Moyes, we all know what you know. A lot of people say he sacrificed games against these people straight away. He, you know, he wanted just to get out without getting mauled to death. He'd take a one 0 defeat and he'd be happy with that. But I just hope we go out and have a go. I don't care if we get B four three. Let's just go and have a go. Have a go. We need to show that we can content, definitely compete with teams like this if we are going to be competing with them for a a. A place in the league, yeah. So you know, it's, there's no point saying we're competing, we're challenging for Champions League, and then lose every single time to the top four. I tell you one thing, challenging. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain, in particular Man United, and I'm sure Arsenal will be scared to play us. Yeah, I, I they, they won't be taking us lightly under any under any sense of the imagination, like. Well, we're one of the best teams in the league, you know, and that's not how many times over the past few years could we have. You know, you know, it's been a long time before we can say that. We've been able to say it over the past few years. I, you know, I agree. Uh, but we actually feel like it now. You know, feel like we've got a genuine threat every time we go forward, and we've got if we get a couple of injuries, we've got players who can come in for the first time in a long time, and it feels good. It does. So hopefully, three points. And in the Arsenal game, my man to watch is. You can't go anywhere else than 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 Ramsey at the minute, can you? He is the obvious one, and I know I just contradicted myself by saying I won't just pick the best player, but the, the kid seems unstoppable at the minute, doesn't he? Yeah, I think you know, before before Bale, Bale scored the hat trick this week, there was a little bit of you know tongue in cheek talk, wasn't it, that um, Real Madrid bought the the wrong Welsh superstar because Ramsey seems to be just. Unbelievable! And there was a nice touch this week, wasn't he? When, when he scored those two goals against Cardiff, and the Cardiff fans were singing his name, and he didn't celebrate. Just a, I thought that was a really nice that, touch. That, that's bizarre to me, though. I, I understand, you know, like giving players respect, but the Cardiff fans actually all stood up and clapped him for scoring past him. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I like touches like that, moments like that in football. I wish we could still have the relationships with former players. Not, you know, if, imagine if Rooney would have left in better terms, you wouldn't be grudging. Going? No, you wouldn't. Would you? Yeah, and, and going on. But well, I mean, it's like for instance Arteta. We, you know, Arteta always gets a good reception. <laughs> yeah, and then he ends up kicking one of our players. Well, that is that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you predict? We I think sneak one at Manu. Sneak three points at Manu. I I'm not confident about the Emirates at all. So maybe you know, actually being a good game. Maybe a two-one Arsenal. Maybe a few more goals. Anything than that. What I will say about those two games, as we hinted at earlier on, uh, they will provide a valuable gauge as to where we actually are. Yes. And, you know, are we realistic challenges? And we, you just mentioned that. You've got me bit. nervous now. But 
imagine imagine we come through of it with one win or even two wins you know it, it, if we won both of those games it would go off wouldn't it and Everton would be potentially if we win both them games we are second in the league yeah yeah so if we win one of them we could go up we could we could be second or third results pending so we'd be second if, if we were to win both games we'd probably be second in the league and what about Four points behind Arsenal because we would have took three points from them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're getting carried away now. Yeah. It's starting to sound like we're forward to forward to the year. Yeah. Uh, Let's just get the games out of the way yeah. and, then, and then we'll 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 talk about it next yeah. week on the podcast. Yeah. Next week we'll probably be saying we've got no points. Um, so so that's it. I mean, we can't really look too far into our crystal ball. So I mean, that's all we can really add to on a preview to the games coming up. Um, so, a little bit of a break now, and we'll be back with uh, the Hall of Fame to round off this week's podcast. I'm Kevin Cheedy, and you're listening to the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. But Evidence defence standing firm. Now, can they launch the counter-attack? Off goes Limpar. Stewart in oceans of space away to his left. This is Jackson, right out in the middle. Still Jackson, and Stewart! It's there, right up. Everton take the lead at the second attack, albeit Paul Ryder. Manchester United in disarray at the back, caught there by the speed and the punch of the counter-attack. Well, it's that time of the weekend. It's time for uh, the Not Bitter, Just Better Hall of Fame. Uh, and we're going to go for a game again. And I think from the clip that we've just played coming into it, uh, most Evertonians will instantly be able to guess uh, what game it's going to be because we're playing Man United this week we thought we'd put one of our yeah. most famous victories against Man United into the Hall of Fame only seemed fitting didn't it you know we, we sometimes we sometimes try and have a think about what players and we, we just this kind of jumped out at us you know we've put two games in before which was the game against Norwich where Pat Van Den scored the winner that sealed the Won league, the league in 87. Yeah, 87 and we put the 3-0 Andy Johnson derby in so this is the third game into our Hall of Fame, so all of our Hall of Famers can sit there and watch this one and have a grin. And it's the 1995 FA Cup final. Yep. Uh, Everton's last major honour. Unfortunately, yeah. But it's getting on. It's too long that now, that isn't is, it? Yeah, 18 years ago, isn't it? So, I mean, hope we might be able to push on for, for this year, maybe. Uh, and I'll give you a little bit of information about the game, and then uh, I think... I wasn't at the game, but but Johnny was. So Johnny's going to go down memory lane and reminisce a little bit with with tears in his eyes. Yeah, one of the best days of my life uh, about the game itself and what it was like to be there. Um, a, a little known fact: I, I don't remember this ever coming up. But do you know what was special about this FA Cup final? Everton, wouldn't it? Well, apart from Everton winning it, I mean, in the build, what was special about the significance of the occasion from a footballing point of view? Don't know. It was the 50th Wembley FA Cup final. Oh, didn't know that. Well, you do know. There you go. It's a pointless fact that you're never going to need to use. Uh, And uh, obviously, as we've said, it was played on May the 20th, 1995 at the the old Wembley uh, in in London. Uh, And can you remember who was the referee? I haven't got a clue. Jedard Ashby. Don't remember him at all, do you? No. No no idea about Jedard Ashby. Um, and Everton lined up from memory. Can you remember Everton starting line up? Seeing as you were there, Neville Southall, correct. Uh, Matt Jackson, correct. 
Dave Watson. Correct. David Unsworth. Correct. The late Gary Ablett. Correct. Anders Limpar. Correct. Joe Parkinson. Correct. Barry Orn. Correct. I'll go to Graeme Stewart, Paul Rideout. Yeah. And uh, left midfield. Who was on the left midfield? Oh, I was doing so well. I'll kick myself. Andy Inchcliffe. Andy Inchcliffe. Andy Inchcliffe. Andy Inchcliffe played left midfield that day. Wow. Um, and what amazed me about this very attacking bench from Big Joe Royal. Uh, obviously, it was in the days where you could name a keeper and two outfield players. Uh, and he's gone. Uh, Jason Keaton was the goalkeeper. Yeah. So I'm glad Neville Southall never got an injury. Uh, and his two substitutes, Duncan Ferguson and Daniel Amakachi. So he, he was going, he was going for it, wasn't he? Yeah, and I, I remember this because it was heartbreak for John Ebrill because we, we were still going through the bit of dogs of war phase. Yeah, and just we kind of sealed our Premier League survival earlier on, uh, uh, you know, a few weeks before, and I think we just started playing some nicer stuff, and we were kind of alternating between. Two out of the three, Dogs of War, obviously Joe Parkinson, Barry Orn and John Ebrill. And John Ebrill seemed to draw the short straw and didn't make it even into the Cups final squad. And as a blue through and through, it was just heartbreak for him and it was just so sad. Well, we've touched on this game before, haven't we, when we put the Dogs of War into yeah, the Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously we discussed that about Ebrill. Um, going through the United side on the day... Uh, they had Schmeichel in goal it's, it's a who's who United really yeah. in probably one of their heydays really Schmeichel in goal Gary Neville Steve Bruce Gary Pallister Dennis Irwin so solid back four uh, Roy Keane Paul Ince Brian McLeod who was never really the greatest player was he uh, Lee, did all right for himself he did yeah Lee Sharp Mark Hughes and Nicky Butt uh, and on their substitutes bench luckily they didn't have any quality on the bench really uh, <laughs> They had Gary Walsh in goal, and then two players that I don't think really went on to do much in the career. Someone called Ryan Giggs and someone called Paul Scholes. Never heard of them. Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes on the bench. So I just want to go back to that Man United. Like just uh, when we were talking about this game before, I remembered a little bit of commentary, and it's not really relevant to any certain passage you play apart from the commentary of it. And it was like one of the commentators was saying uh, about players who have apt names. And Lee Sharp, he's a sharp player. And uh, Roy Keane, he's keen in the challenge and he leads the team. Nicky Butt, <laughs> he kind of paused and went, he puts a stop to play and then starts another passage of play. <laughs> it was like, but like a Nick, butt. Like a butt, yeah. I was thinking he could have. Not like he's he a big ass. He had a face like a slapped ass or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, go- going back to the game itself. Um, that was the game itself. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, obviously, as you say, United have won the, the double previously the year before, but yes. they've just been pipped to the league title by Blackburn of all people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was their chance of silverware this season. Uh, Everton, we just narrowly avoided uh, relegation. Yeah, we talked about this before, and we, uh, we 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 the season we nearly got relegated on last day against Wimbledon was 1993, eh, sorry 93-94, and then Mike Water had that horrendous start, and Big Joe Royal came in, and we talked about uh, Big Dunk coming in, making the impact and everything. And great cup run to get us there. The Spurs game is something I'm sure we might cover at some point on the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we didn't concede a goal up until that semi-final. <coughs> Did you know that? 
I did know that, yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, Spurs were very much the favourites in that game. We won. We, we obviously trounced them four one at Ellen Road, um, and then you know we were still huge underdogs for that final. So going into the game, um, let me just do a little bit, and then you can take over with your memories. Yeah. So this is what happened in the game, basically. Um, Everton go in huge underdogs into the game. Uh, the game starts uh, half an hour in. Uh, Everton go one 0 up. Uh, headed goal by Paul Rideout uh, after Game Stewart had an effort that hit the crossbar. Uh, and then pretty much after that, it was pretty much backs to the wall for Everton, wasn't it? it but was, go on, you you tell us what what you remember of the day. It was well. First of all, the goal just unbelievable, and uh, we were we were down the tunnel end where the goal was scored, and you know obviously. Uh, Jackson cuts the ball across into the path of Graeme Stewart. Um, we think he scored, but Stewart thinks he scored. Everybody thinks he scored, but it's the bar. And it didn't have any kind of pace or anything that way. And everyone will have seen the goal. Uh, but Rideout does amazingly to generate the power, enough to put it past Schmeichel and a couple of defenders on the line. Um, and you know, Everyone goes absolutely loopy. The season before, we thought we were going to be relegated, and now we're in the FA Cup final, one 0 up against Man United. You just couldn't, you know, you just couldn't actually believe it. Um, and I mean, we've just gone through. To put it into perspective, we've just gone through that Man United side, you know, and they've got Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes on the bench. On the bench, yeah. Which means, you know, obviously, and we've gone through that team. This was when Lee Sharp was good. It is, but it was when Roy just... Keane was on his. You know, in his height, like you know, at the top of his game. But going through that side as well, they were actually missing at that time. Eric Cantona, who was suspended, Andre Kinchelskis, who was injured, and Andy Cole, who was cup tied. Yeah. So that goes to show what a great side they were at that time. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the memories. I think we, me, uh, me and Steve went down there, and you know, we we, we got a car share, and just I remember seeing. It signs around Wembley, uh, Jesus saves and big dunk knocks in the rebound and you know, you, you see that, yeah, every club has a little thing like that. But obviously Dunk didn't make the starting line up. Uh, and as you said, you know, it was a little bit of backs to the wall, but I can't remember Southall having to make a real out and out amazing save. He had a couple of good saves and he had a good game. There was yeah, he did have to make quite a few saves. I mean there was, there was a double block. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was down low. Uh, I can't remember whose feet it was, but uh, but it wasn't like it was, you know, what they didn't really do enough to win. I think we had a couple of half chances as well. Uh, so, I don't know. That, that breakaway, though, you know, Limpar, when Limpar was on his game, you know, and particularly that and the season after, when Limpar was on his game, he was just unplayable because he just picked out the right ball. He was a great, great vision. And, um, yeah. So the Blues managed to see it out to 90 minutes. And, and can you remember who got man of the match? I think it might have been Southall. It was Dave Watson, actually. Dave Watson. Dave Watson. And got when Dave up. went up to lift the FA Cup, I was there. He did. And, and Dave Watson did go up for it. Uh, and was presented the trophy by. Uh, Prince Charles, who was joined with, by his two very young sons, William and Harry, who were attending their first ever football match. Really? And now, surprisingly, they're not Evertonians. Do you support Aston Villa? What? Just why? Well, exactly, exactly. Um, 
But yeah, as we say, you know, Everton's last major honour was there was that that cup win in '95, uh, and it's a memory that you know will last with a lot of Evertonians. And I have a memory that came from that game. Basically, was I remember when the new souvenir shop got built? Oh yeah, 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 at, at Goodison, and they used to have big, huge pictures on the walls, like floor <laughs> to ceiling, of fans from that yeah. game. And one of the massive pictures on the wall. Was you? Yeah, me and Steve, yeah. Where's on one of the pillars. And we kept going in, asking if we could have it when they take it down. And the last wouldn't give us it. Did you have an Everton jacket on? I had my Everton NEC jacket on. And a, a daft Burger King uh, <laughs> FA Cup final hat. <laughs> and one of those blue and white fishermen's hats as Did well. you have one of the Duncan Blue Noses on? or? No, I, I, I don't think they came until much later. Were they later? Than, I thought they were brought for that game. I, no, I, I don't think they... I think no, I can't remember. I can't remember to be honest. Uh, I can't remember that part of it. Uh, what I will say about that game was that was one of our best shirts. It was that, that banker that, that banker top with like the the badge, the club was crest, it? actually sort of woven into the the fabric of the shirt. Yeah, some some of the memories I have from that game. And I, I remember the journey home because I, I think because I was still relatively young, like maybe fifteen. Was it 15, 15, 16? 16. I was still buying a shoot on the match magazine, uh, and there was a poster of Tim K- uh, Tim 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 Kale Tim Tim Sherwood holding up the Premier League, <laughs> and there was just loads of Man United fans uh, like going past us on the on the motorway in the cars. I was like, you know, holding up the and match you were winding off holding up a picture <laughs> of Tim Sherwood, yeah, holding up the uh, holding up the, the, the match program with a picture of Everton on the front and Tim Sherwood holding the championship because they went home empty-handed that season. So, ah well. <laughs> So, there we go. That's what's going into the Hall of Fame this week. I'm sure it's a game that lives in the heart of many an Evertonian. Um, and it'd be nice to do that again this season, wouldn't it? Just getting some silverware. Obviously, Bobby M's got experience of that with Wigan last year. With the side who were pretty poor, got relegated. So, with the side who were possibly challenged for Champions League, think about what he might be able to actually do if he takes a, cl- a cup competition seriously. Let's do it. Let's, let's, get, let's do get it. it. Let's get it, and then we can we can put that in next season's podcast, can't we? Then as a, as a game going into our hall of fame. Yeah. Um, so Man United tomorrow. Um, Come on, you I'll be able to give you the report on just about the level of abuse that Moyes gets. I'm gonna attempt to refrain from abusing him. I'm sure I'll probably get carried away after the first bad challenge, or if Man United score and start shouting ginger bollocks at him or something. I don't know, but. Uh, Hopefully might, it won't get too personal. Do you think you might be able to do us a little bit of uh, after-match at recording? Or do you think you'll be surrounded by too many piss like usual? I'll have a go, but I'll probably end up throwing my phone at, at somebody because, you know, I tend to get a little bit carried away. Um, but hopefully we'll be back on next week's podcast there with some good news and we won't have got zero points from the two games. Yeah, see, if we win against Man U and then get battered against Arsenal, we still could end up on a bit of a downer next week, couldn't we? We could. But if we get battered tomorrow and win against Arsenal, we'll be happy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's just one of them crazy weeks, isn't it? Um, I've got no idea what next week's podcast is going to entail. Um, but this is why we love football, isn't it? It's interesting. We just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, indeed we don't. And that's about it from us for for today. We're just coming up to about an hour and a half. So because we've done the two match preview, uh, you know, and a little bit more talk on news, we've gone a little bit longer than we usually do. 
fair play to anyone who can pull up with listening to us too for an hour and a half. If you made it this far in the podcast, uh, we do appreciate it because we are a pair of boring bastards. We understand <laughs> that. Yeah, but we noticed something this week that you know we've had a couple of uh, our you know more widespread, well further away listeners who've been in touch and saying you know they don't have that the banter that we have. You know we have banter amongst ourselves and we have it in work and we get to the match. We talk to all our mates at the match. But some people over in, like down in Oz, don't necessarily get that. So we're you know, hopefully providing an outlet for them. Um, we very much appreciate your, your words and just listening to us because, as Mark says, we don't have waffle. <laughs> we need to give a shout out really to one of our Australian listeners, don't we? Yeah, Carl, Carl Rollins. Is it Rollins? Rollins? Uh, I think. It can be pronounced either way, but we'll go with Roland, shall we? Yeah. Uh, Carl's gave us some feedback on on the Facebook page all the way from Australia, uh, and we do appreciate it. Uh, as I say, Carl, if you're listening this week, if there's anything in particular you, you want to send us over, like a little bit of an audio clip or something, we'll throw you on the podcast, mate. It'd yeah. Be interesting to get. Uh, you probably see more games down under than we do because you know you get everything live down there. For, as far as I'm aware. Uh, Will we have to scrape round on a winning <laughs> looking for, for games that, that just crack up most of the time? So you'll probably see both full ninety minutes of the Arsenal and the, the United game. It depends on like, if it's what, what hours it is. I mean, I well, yeah, if you can be bothered getting up for them in glorious HD. So uh, thanks for listening, mate, and uh, you know we appreciate your comments. Uh, and if there is anything you want to contribute or aid us talk rubbish about then then let us know that same that goes to all of our listeners really if you've got stuff you want to send us uh you know we, we put the email address out there send us your voice clips uh, we've had a couple of people like uh, danny danny does that a couple of times we've got a couple of americans dan uh you know just send us your clips you know we we, we do waffle a lot on you know it is our thoughts but we want it to be an everton podcast we want your thoughts as well and feedback's welcome if you say we're shit, then we'll probably agree with you. <laughs> you know, but we'll we'll talk about your topics and basically thanks everyone for listening. And if you think we're better than the follow Tonians, you can tell us that as well. <laughs> All right, Ped lad. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but yeah, Ped sound as well. Um, as always, thanks for listening. If you're listening on SoundCloud, go and subscribe to us on iTunes uh, if you've got an Apple device, uh, and then that way you get you get it straight to your phone on Thursday. Thursday morning and listen on your commuter or whatever or while you're doing the dishes like I listen to podcasts when I'm doing the dishes and doing a couple of home. I don't do less dishes I'm a man yeah 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 whatever but you, you, you're telling the story up, so I'm, too busy, I'm <laughs> too busy shopping and Harry Nichols with, uh, with Jags <laughs> to do job. that yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, we'll see you next week catch you later blues and come on two wins <laughs> <laughs>